Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast, your new source for horror and dark fantasy in the audio sphere. I'm your host, Jack Kincaid, or an elemental thereof, coming to you from the frosty, dead mouth of December. Tis this season to be jolly, they say. Tis this season for warm and festive, fuzzy things. But oh... Some part of us still feels the cold current sweeping underneath, howling through a darkness where things grin madly at the sound and the songs that waft up from the black throat of oblivion. (laughs) Do we have the proper frame of mind to continue? The chilling stories you'll find here on the podcast are produced by Audie and Grammy Award-winning narrator Stefan Rudnicki's Skyboat Road Company, Inc., in association with Rajan Khanna. The magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, a prolific anthologist. A new expanded edition of his dystopian anthology, Brave New Worlds, has just been released by Nightshade Books. This edition contains three stories not included in the first edition, and we hope you'll check it out. To learn more about Brave New Worlds, visit johnjosephadams.com slash brave dash new dash worlds. Now, on to the next nightmare. Our first story offering for the December issue is Shop Shop by J.B. Park. The story is read for you by Gabrielle DeCure. J.B. Park lives in New Mexico. He's fond of books. After deciding to be a writer in 2010, he has intermittently pursued that goal. This is his first publication. And so ends this week's intro. So without further ado, let's have a nightmare. Chop Shop by J.B. Park If only she could find the right words to thank him. As he cuts into her thigh, she wants to say something, some small word of gratitude, but her tongue is gone, and so she keeps quiet, utters not even a mumble as he continues his work. The scalpel shaves off small slivers of flesh, and the sensation is electrifying, little jolts that flash through the drug haze, And when it's all over, she stares down with dull curiosity at her legs, flayed to the bone. There is a detachment there in which she luxuriates. They close the session, and when she leans back and logs out, the disconnect between the pain that should have been there and her own joy is absolutely delicious. She fixes herself a cup of tea, and remembers to tab his profile and friend him. He was an artist, that one, 
and she wants him all for herself. Was she not a worthy canvas? It was her first time, and even though a small part of her knows it was fake, nonetheless she hums with excitement. A little note arrives in her inbox, and when she reads it, she sends out a quick reply. It was a pleasure. But a week passes before they can meet again. The meeting is held this time in a small industrial complex located south of the portal. They reset the instance and walk in holding hands. She's dressed in a Latina template, lustrous skin and all exaggerated curves, and he's all done up like a surgeon, complete with a porcelain mask. It is absolutely blank, just a faceless white shell. Thank you for coming, he says. I dreamed of you. Oh? About how you bled. She laughs, lies down on the concrete floor. Everything has a theatrical flavor to it. Anything in particular you'd like? I'm at your mercy, she whispers. The words sound so terribly pathetic. Out of some cheap porn, maybe. And she wonders if this is where she should start letting out fake moans in tune with the buzz of the bone saw. I can bind you if you'd like. I don't need it. He shrugs. As you wish. The blade cuts into her wrist, and she squeals as the pain, so muted, nonetheless begins drumming in. It is not the pain that she craves, of course. Some pain is good, but it's the horror at the mangling, the crippling, which she seeks. She weeps as he removes her other hand. He moves down her body, settles a cold hand on her hips. He cuts in, rips through the joint. The right leg is flung away, and she watches it bounce off the wall. It's like a mannequin's limb, so rubbery and fake. There is nothing wrong with what we do, he says, as he begins work on her breasts. The carving knife works easily through the fatty tissue. It's not that, she says as she sobs. I'm happy right now. So, tears of joy? Something like that. Then he digs in and removes her ribs one by one. She screams as he plucks each one out of her, and the horror is so acute she can taste the ache of it in the back of her mouth. Like needles scraping against her tongue, metallic and bloody, and as he moves down to her crotch with a nail gun in hand, a small part of her moans with terror at all the savage things to come, even as another part laughs, roars at the utter joy of it, at how she is divided, at how she is cut, at how she bleeds. 
She lifts herself out of the couch and stares at the clock, wondering at how the time has passed so quickly. For three hours she screamed, and again she is overwhelmed by how normal her throat felt, in comparison to the virtual, where she'd screamed herself hoarse until the cleaver struck across her windpipe. She turns all the lights on and makes herself another cup of tea, sits there and drinks it, and waits for him to send something, anything, a word of thanks, maybe, even a simple greeting. But nothing comes, and she sits until she finishes her tea. She shivers at the memory of how her body fell apart. She touches herself and doesn't help. Her fingers feel extraneous. Her teeth ache. She puts her ring finger in her mouth, sets her teeth, slowly bites down. The pain stops her. She pulls it out, and it dangles with spit. She breathes in, breathes out, hyper-alert, her fingers all still present. And she dreams, as she dreams of those useless things cut off and falling to the ground, one digit at a time. After their third meeting, she leaves the instance and wakes up blinking in the middle of her room. There's a message for her on the console. She pulls it up. Just an image with a note by it. Just a suggestion. Here's a picture. She looks at it. And at first, it's just a human woman sitting on the edge of the bed. There's something running up in a straight line from her vagina to her belly, all the way up to her throat and face. Then she looks at it again, and notices that the body has two different hues, one side darker than the other, a slight difference in skin tone. The hair color is different as well, one side black, and the other a very deep, dark red. It's as if two women, twins, were cut in half and stitched together at the seams. She zooms in until she can see the stitch marks, then runs to the restroom and throws up before she goes back out to study the thing once more. I'm not quite ready for that, she replies. The message is sent, and she deletes the image, but it stays in her mind. There is no reply. She waits anxiously, yet there is no answer, no communication at all. It's not until a week has passed that he sends her an invitation for another play date. On their fifth date, something is missing. It just isn't the same anymore, she says as he begins work on her toes. He clips off each one and lets them fall to the ground. What do you mean? She stares down at her feet, now shorn of their digits. 
Blood oozes out from fast-healing wounds. She's in the guise of a northern princess, tall and fair. He is an inquisitor. The color of the cross on his tunic shifts with his movements, from red to black, purple to pink. I don't know, she says. Before they began, the man impaled her hands through the meat hook hanging from the ceiling. She swings, slightly, and pain roars, muted from where the steel was punched through the bones of her palms. She smiles. Thick lips slide back from yellowed teeth. A young girl, tanned and lithe, slowly dissembled as she hangs in the air. This template is a good one. She remembers how he smiled when he saw her. His guise this time is of a suited man, pale skin, a leer on those thin lips. Blood splatters him as he works. To be honest, he says, I was beginning to feel the same way. I've never seen you change templates mid-session before. Just felt more appropriate he says with a shrug. But yet, this is beginning to become... routine. He debones her legs. Is this what happened before? He looks up. The saw is halfway up the fat of her thigh. Blood runs down in ceaseless streams. With the others... Yes. Why did you leave them? Unvoiced, of course, is another question. Will you leave me? People want... different things. I could no longer satisfy myself. A little ridiculous, perhaps. I always feel a little foolish when I say this. But for me, a large part of the pleasure I derive from these meetings is about the surprise I see on their... your faces. So as some people seek out intact hymens, as if that's real, I seek out, well, newbies. When I put out the ad, it wasn't because I was attracted to your profile, he said softly. All I saw was that you had no experience. She resets herself. Stands whole, neither bleeding or cut. Upset. She logs off, and the man stares at the puddle of blood on the floor before he sighs and leaves as well. On their sixth meeting... She comes as a tired-looking housewife. They assemble a cafe and populate it with customers. He plops down a portly man by the window, a clerk at the register, a woman reading the paper on the couch just a meter away from where the two of them sit. She contents herself with just watching. I'm sorry about what I said last time, he says. No, it's fine. It was fine. I'm not too worried about it anymore. 
She orders coffee. No sugar. They're role players, by the way. The staff? One, at least. I know her. Knew her, rather. Was she like me? Yes. How did she handle it? The news that I was getting tired of whatever amusements she offered me? Well, not very well. <laughs> no one really does. I think it's just another piece of me seeking that first-timer. It creates a bonding effect, I think. Not that I've ever looked it up. She sips, says, I see. You could almost call it love. Who are you, really? Just a man, he smiles. Did I ever tell you of how much I enjoy anonymity? Why I do what I do? Perhaps I'm a monster. Perhaps... How about you just tell me and cut out the pretentious bullshit? Oh, the lady has teeth. Goodbye, then. She logs out. The cafe dissolves. Are you looking for a good time? She puts out another ad, but there isn't much interest. She has nothing to offer them. In this place where there is no true damage to the body, the damage to the mind is more valuable, for there is a price on how things scar. Experienced companion seeking anyone with an interest in artistic mutilation. She waits a month. In the meantime, her life goes on aimlessly. She joins an old-style forum and argues about inconsequential things. Joins a role-playing society. Mock pretends to be a Victorian courtier. Plays games. Gains weight. Loses it again. Once in a while, her daughter leaves a message. More needless things. How are you doing, Mom? And she answers, I'm doing fine. Even as she searches for someone to destroy her. Please tab me, and I'll follow up ASAP. Thanks. Even she herself can't understand this need. Perhaps she's a masochist. But it's not the pain that calls out to her. It's in how skin fell from flesh and flesh from bone. How she bled. In how pieces of her body were ripped from her. She thinks about how her leg bounced when the man threw it away. How it hit the wall and how it flopped down still leaking blood. And she shivers again. Used to a pain threshold of 15%, but willing to negotiate for a higher limit if needed. Call me. It is their seventh meeting. Why did you call me? She asks him. She is uncomfortable. What's around her 
the real world, the true thing, with all its bustle and filth, presses in against her skin and squishes her down. She feels so terribly exposed, and yet she feels as if she's choking. The air outside has an unfamiliar tang to it. And across from her is the man's doppel. Figures, she thinks, that he wouldn't come out himself. A slight man with a receding chin, thin, frameless glasses set on a sharp nose. Is that what he truly looks like? So incongruous in comparison to the power he wields online. I saw your ad, he says. You relisted it. Of course. Any interest? A few. Which is a lie. You've had zero queries. She freezes up. How did you... You really are new to this, aren't you? Privacy settings, that's all. Why did you bother then? I thought you were bored of me. Some anger begins to come back. She can feel it, and it helps steady her nerves. If you think I'll beg for you to... I don't want you either, he says. That time has passed. But I do keep tabs on all the people I've helped. Help? You might not see it that way, but what I do isn't completely selfish. He loves talking, doesn't he? She says instead, Just get on with it. Are you tired of living? What? Let me start from the beginning, then. I've done this for many years now. And there's a reason I asked you to come out in flesh. If you should agree to this, I shall show myself to you. I am a man of particular skills. And here he smiles. And, should you agree, well... She gets up. The doppel makes no attempt to stop her as she leaves. I don't need you, she says. There is no one there in the room as she posts the ad once more. A picture of some of her more fetching shots, mouth agape, bleeding from the nails driven into her shoulders. Experienced. That's what she has labeled herself. Experienced. Bodies can be repaired. No damage is permanent when everything is virtual. But the mind... What did he want from her at first? The surprise on her face as the first cut was made? Virginity of a sort? Shock blossoming? Spreading? I don't need you, she says, thinking of him. She trembles as her fingers take on a life of their own. They creep down her thigh and onto her knees, and she stoops low as those fingers spider onto her ankles and feet. 
they creep back up and tickle up her stomach and rest on her collarbones. They climb into her mouth. She suckles on one, and again the hunger returns. She bites. Teeth move against skin, and she feels meat and bone tense up. I don't need you, she mumbles, and dreams of the way his knife sliced into her tendons as she bites down. The pain makes her stop. I saw the oddest thing tonight. Did you see it? A woman with a Hispanic template sitting by the fountain. A doppel, really. It wasn't decent at all, and it wasn't long before the cops showed up and took it down. I hope they track her down, because kids were there. What happened? Okay, she strips naked, right? It's a nice piece of work, too, because you didn't get the usual distortions that you get with projections. So probably this rich woman or man, and I was just passing by and only stopped because there were people standing around staring at something. I look in their direction, and there's this woman by the fountain. She strips naked, and half the people there just have their phones out filming the thing. Nudists aren't anything rare, though. I know. Just keep listening. So this bitch is nude now, and she reaches in and pulls her guts out. What? Yeah, her guts. Just fucking slices in with the palm of her hand, and she reaches in and unspools ropes of the stuff. They just all tumble out, and like I said, it's a damn good piece of work. You could even see the steam coming out. Fucking unreal. God damn. Yeah, and there were kids there, too. Christmas shopping and shit. Fucking disgusting, man. I wanted to throw up a bit. And there she is, standing with her guts hanging out, just fucking smiling. She takes out a scissor. The twin blades are silver and sharp. She cuts off one toe and then the other. And when she runs out of toes, she clips off her right ear, then the left. They fall down to the floor. Her lips follow, then her eyes. She tries to smile, fails. There is no pain and no sign that this will ever affect her. She wonders, sometimes, what might have happened had she bitten through her fingers. If they'd tumbled to the floor in real life, how those stumps would have bled. The taste in her mouth, the pain, always the pain, and most of all, how that loss would have been permanent. She aches for it. One day, she'll take a knife and cut a hole in herself. She'll climb in, a hole for her and her alone, and it will swallow her.
Welcome back. You look a bit peaky. It's good that you're not too relieved to be back here. This place is not much better. And it's feeding time. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the story. Please consider making a stop at our website at nightmare-magazine.com to leave a comment. They might eat you slowly if you don't. Just click on Fiction, find this story, and then leave a comment there. Or if you'd like to help spread the word, go to iTunes, find the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast, and leave a review or rating there. Meanwhile, if you haven't already subscribed to Nightmare Magazine, why not? Please check out our many options at nightmare-magazine.com slash subscribe. There's also other ways you can be notified of new Nightmare Magazine content. You can subscribe to our free monthly newsletter or RSS feed. You can follow us on Twitter or like our fan page on Facebook. If you visit nightmare-magazine.com and click on this month's editorial, you'll find links to all of our social media pages. Thanks for joining us. Sleep tight. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.